have a question. Oh, you do? What what must you have to ask me? What side of Twitter are you on? As in, I uh, I don't know what you mean. like. You have to. What are the what are the um, parameters here? So there's like regular Twitter for casual users, and then there's niche Twitter, right? So I live on horror Twitter. Oh, oh, the I live on the writer Twitter. Screenwriter. I live on film and film critic Twitter. Nintendo. And then like I'm on Black Twitter. Oh, I love. But I'm not. But I'm not in Black Twitter. You know what I mean? I hear so you. like I, I I think I'm like on the like if Black Twitter is the city, like if Black Twitter is New York City, I think I'm like in Mount Vernon <laughs> sometimes. Okay. That because makes things sense. Be happening, and I'm just like, what are y'all talking about? But I'm that, like, no, no, that happens to me all the time. And then I have to go digging because I want to know the tea. I but I'm, like, I'm glad that it's like six. It's like it's like three degrees of separation. Like I'll find a tweet and then go and then I'm in the and, and then I'm in the business. But like it makes me mad because I'm like, what else do I have to do to exist in this space? Who do I have to be? Yeah, it's it's a lot. I I am definitely like a casual Twitter user, but I because I'm only I I just got to Twitter. I just got to Twitter in September. I just I finally made a Twitter account in September, so I'm very fairly new to the Twitterverse. Um and it's 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 quite the fun app. Once you get once you like get a good community going, it's quite the fun app. Um did you did you see the other day who who was who was trending and why? Yeah do you a little more specific than that? Nelly was trending for a very specific reason. Okay. I have, I have something to say. <laughs> my my name is Jasmine Masters and I have something to say. Um I think the girls and by girl, you already know what I mean when I say the girls. I think the girls are being very harsh. I think they're being very um, harsh on Nelly because not every man can be a um, PRK. Thank you so much. Not everybody can possess that. Not every man can, you know, be gifted with that. And that's okay. And I just feel like because of things that are out there on the internet, you know, in society, minds have been warped expectations have been corrupted about you know what a man should have what a mighty good man yes <laughs> and i just and, and um i saw a tweet that said like it's a form of body shaming and it really is because that's what that and i know a lot, a lot of people like to poke fun but it's just especially for the stereotypes that black men have on them when it comes to that kind of thing i just feel it just causes a lot of um it can do a lot of damage emotional damage in terms of confidence um i feel you but i feel like nelly ain't ain't lost it lost the ounce of confidence over this whole sh- sh- shenanigans Pro- okay probably but i uh, he fine he gonna go find another little white country band and make another a naked mother song he'd be all right so Nelly popped off and then Lil Fizz did whatever he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then somebody leaked a tape of Isaiah Rashad and outed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that upset me, too, because you y'all already know, like, how hip hop culture is to um, the LGBT community, especially um, gay men 
and uh trans women it's just like what black gay men and black trans women like why i don't know who did it i don't know why i don't know the reason but so far from what i've seen um the community has his back um there's been an outpouring of support for him i think his albums and his songs have actually experienced an increase in um streams and listening and sales so that's good i don't know if tde his the top dog entertainment the label he's on has said anything yet in in support but um it's it seems to be he has a lot of good people in his corner but it but of course i've seen comments where it's just like oh now i can't listen to him anymore and i'm just like oh my god are we still are we still doing this kind of bigotry in 2022 it it was it was a mess last week with the with the sex tapes it really was yeah it really was but without black twitter i wouldn't have known any of these things not none of it so you know from zola forward from zola forward uh i love me some zola if y'all haven't seen that movie yet it is on showtime y'all should watch it t.s madison was this was a different if this was a different podcast we'd have talked about that movie i loved it though i loved it and those subtle like old school twitter sounds the tweet sounds this is so good i love zola was so good like um t.s madison's prayer is in my head like 24 7 (laughs) special prayer special prayer prayer. 840 that's where i'm trying to get my credit score you got money he got money get it all for him people hello 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 and welcome back to another episode of scary crit i'm your co-host jared and i am your co-host lauren nice to have you here again we should probably begin uh negronomicon oh it's coming out of the cabin all draped in a scarf I could, I could smell things cooking on the fireplace looks all comfy okay um and on our first page the Academy Award nominations were announced this past, I think it was Tuesday, right? That sounds right. Kind of snuck up. This week. It kind of snuck up on me. I just, again, I was on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Twitter and um, that's when I found out, oh, they dropped. Now, I was really surprised that um, Pablo Lorraine, who did, who was the director for um, Spencer with Kristen Stewart, I was really surprised he did not get nominated in that category. Why? Because he did such a good job. But I could, that was never going to be an Oscar film. You think so? Yeah. I'm shook if it had all the, it had all the uh, trimmings of one. I mean, I don't know. The Oscars is so weird because like, did you see all that stuff about how um, everyone was mad or Kevin Smith was mad that 
the Spider-Man No Way Home got a snub and he was like, this is why nobody watches the Oscars. But like Black Panther was nominated a couple years ago. And then, you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> it's such a finicky. Pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am very, I am very glad, though, that uh, Kristen got her Oscar nom for Best Actress. I am actually rooting for her. I haven't seen that Spencer thing. It's on Hulu. It I just, saw that it it's just, on Hulu, but it just popped up on Hulu. It's on there. I highly recommend. That score is phenomenal. But I mean, I don't, it's I don't know. It's gonna be weird, right? Because like Denzel was nominated, Will Smith was nominated. Oh, I need to see and, and Andrew Garfield was nominated for that thing on Netflix, that tick tick boom thing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like his second nomination. Andrew Garfield? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember his first one. Mm. Was it Hacksaw Ridge? I don't know. But yeah, he's and then from the like the women. It's Kristen Stewart, Nicole Kidman, Penelope Cruz, Olivia Coleman, and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, like I like I don't know. I wasn't I know. really super excited about. I know. I feel you. I don't. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not particularly like raw you know about this year's oscars aside from you know Kristen, but i don't know it's just uh it's i don't like, know Encanto is obviously gonna win oh, for best, best animated. animation i was glad to see um uh, mitchell's versus machines are mitchell's against the machine oh, hold on the mitchell's versus the machines you yeah, the Mitchells time. versus the machines. That was nice to see. But everybody loved that Raya and the Last Dragon thing, which I Flea, still haven't watched. Me I either. Need, I need to watch Flea. But re- Flea has gotten such good, like, I need word of mouth. That. This is such a powerful bo- film or whatever, I and need it's to like watch that. it's not gonna, it's not gonna win. <laughs> it's just not gonna win. Dude I mean, is gonna win for cinematography. I think I think what Cruella cannot win for costumes because how dare you say that? How dare you say that? Nope, nope, nope. I haven't seen that movie, but the original costumes that Cruella was in in the original live action 100 Dalmatians were were pieces of art. Okay. Fashion. Okay. Vogue. Okay runway you have told no lies you were correct about it being hot coacher um anthony powell was the costume designer for um cruella deville well well actually the whole you know the whole 101 dalmatians back in the day but really for cruella oh, and he did death on the nile in 78 <sighs> so Perfection. he Perfection. is he so he is very talented like those that was that was that was fashion but i really think that jenny bivon or bevan did a phenomenal job and what we had and what and in 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 her defense and in cruella's defense smell you have to realize that the timeline of this movie with the with the cruella is focusing on this isn't fully formed cruella this isn't the cruella we met in um 96 with 101 Dalmatians, she's still coming into her own. So we're getting to see her before we see her on the level of Anthony Powell's costume design, you know? You're not, okay, you're not buying it. You're not. That's she, fine. She's not I don't into care. It. She, doesn't, she doesn't give a damn. 
I don't care. I loved Cruella's costume design. I really hope that Jenny wins. And if she doesn't, I mean, she got nominated, and that is incredible because seriously, they I, that that um the trash dress. I have. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, like I just, it was like uh, I might watch it now just so I have a better understanding because like was, I've seen photos, but I haven't actually watched it. Was it was such a feast for the eyes. Oh my god, the way I wanted to just leap in there and put things on. Oh, but so the drama. I think that Paul Thomas Anderson is going to win it for from licorice pizza even though i've heard licorice pizza is a terrible film <laughs> really <laughs> yeah documentaries it's probably gonna be summer of well i want it to be summer of soul because i want quest love to yes come on award. black excellence <laughs> i haven't I lo- seen any of the shorts i love seeing all the congratulations he got from the community quest love yeah, that was because he tweeted it and it was so wholesome. Yeah, it's just, oh, I love that. I really want Hank Corwin to win for editing for Don't Look Up because Don't Look Up was so good. Oh, yeah, that rapid, that rapid cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. For best picture, um, I really need to go see Drive My Car. Claridge over here had it um, around the same time they were, they were, um, they were showing Spencer, but I went to go see Spencer. And drive my car has a long runtime as well. If they put, if they bring it back, if they have it back on there, I will definitely go see it because I really want to see it because it, it'll be great you know, if we have another foreign film win. Best you picture. know what I don't understand? Mm-hmm. I don't understand how West Side Story is on this list for anything. Well, well, I'm I'm happy that um, happy. Are, well, hold on. I'm happy that Ariana DeBose got nominated for supporting role because although I have not seen the movie and honestly do not plan on watching it, she I've seen the trailers for it and she like she really just got my attention right away in the trailers. Okay, I hear that. I'm 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 trying to be happy for this young woman. I am. And she's but, a part of the community. She's one and of that's us. great. And that's beautiful. So woohoo. But also, what you he didn't do anything different. He remade his film. That's it. You you just redid it <laughs> with a new with a different camera on digital. And I'm just like, what's the point? It's just one of those things where the academy really likes him. We're just like, here, we're gonna throw you a bone. And I hate that because. It's 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 infuri it's infuriating. It is infuriating. It is infuriating. It is infuriating that he got all that money to redo a film that he made years and years and years ago, but Julie Dash can't get money to save her life to do anything. It's annoying. I'm annoyed. For those of us unfamiliar with Julie Dash. You know who Julie Dash is? I I think. I oh, do. my God. Julie Dash is a black woman filmmaker. She made one of the most influential black films ever made. Daughters of the Dust. Have you not seen Daughters of the Dust? Oh, my God. Jared. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Duh. I'm so Daughters- I'm so uncultured. In this moment, you kind of are. I'm very upset. Daughters oh. of the Dust is so good. It is so good. 
I think it was the first feature film by a black made by a black woman to be nominated for an Oscar. Really? Wow. It was made in 1991. It was in that in that era of like black people making movies. Because that's how Julie Dash got into the Academy. Anyways. Um, I, I hear you, though. But that's what I'm saying, right? So it's like Steven Spielberg, they will give him millions of dollars to remake the longest musical I've ever seen besides Oklahoma. <laughs> but no one else can get money. I'm, I'm, it's infuriating. Was that a, was that a euphoria reference or a real play? Oklahoma is a real, have you never seen Oklahoma? <laughs> Are you making fun of me or did you actually think I was auditioning for Oklahoma? Yeah. Oklahoma is like the longest musical ever, ever made. Ever made. I've seen it twice and I regret it both times. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then on the next page of the Negronomicon, um, I'm very excited. We are very excited because we finally... Hey, hold on. Pause. I'm so sorry. West Side Story already won Best Picture. I knew it. I was like, this is in my brain. And I had to... I'm sorry. I'm yelling. I had to I had to verify the information. When the original film came out in 61, it was nominated and won Best Picture. Why are we doing this again? So what are you going to do if it wins twice, Mel? Tell the people. even know i don't even know because i can't handle it i cannot handle it because rita moreno won for best supporting actress because the the isn't the the woman who's nominated for a supporting actress yeah ariana yeah yeah they got production design best original musical directing supporting actor I'm sorry. I'm done now. But I just I had to verify this. I'm like, I think that this is true, but I need to be sure before I before I go off. And I am. It already won Best Picture. I hear you. <laughs> OK, well, I'm sorry. Back to the next page. Let's go, because I'm a be I'm a, I'm a sit here. If you let me sit here. Next page is an Economicon, y'all. Um, to, well, at the time of this recording uh, tomorrow, which is Super Bowl Sunday, uh, we over here at Scary Crit are very excited, not because of the Super Bowl, um, but because of the fact that Jordan Peele is finally premiering the first teaser trailer for Nope, his release that comes out on, I think, July 22nd of this year. Now, I'm already, I'm just going to say this right now, just like with us, just like, especially with Get Out. When that when we see that trailer, we're still not going to know what the fuck is going on. But we are going to what? We are still going to want to see it. We are going to be very intrigued. We're going to be very curious because even the poster with that cloud in the sky with like that, uh, it looks like a a, a kite trail aliens. or something. Like it's gotta be aliens. You think it's aliens? It's gotta be aliens. People are saying that the that nope stands for not of planet Earth. Aliens. So Jordan, you think Jordan Peele is going to do aliens? He's going he going to go in the extraterrestrial territory. I hope it, I just hope it's good, Jesus. I, I think it will be. I'm excited to see Kiki Palmer in, in a movie like this, in a horror movie. Um, 
she's been in she's done horror stuff before she's done she was in that uh season three of scream and then she did that one called animal um i've not seen animal i've saw i saw the scream tv show it was not my favorite thing animal was okay animals okay eve was in it too the rapper but uh she got really she got killed at the beginning it was like very fast it was one of those things where she was marketed and then you watch it's just like oh she gone (laughs) 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 Uh, so nope i'm very excited about and special shout out to kiki palmer though because this week um this past week she announced in one week, uh, three different projects, which were, um, again, nope. We knew that she was in that already, but it was just like, you know, the announcement trailer was coming out. Um, the announcement that she was going to be in um, Lightyear, which is also coming to theaters this, uh, I think, June. And that is, that's the one that's based off of Buzz Lightyear, but the huge- Hot take, it's not going to be good. <laughs> Why? Don't look at you me like that. You ain't got to lie. If by origin you mean like the little Jared. movie or little game that was on Toy Story two, you know, I saw that. But no, <laughs> I know he. I know he had an animated show though. He did. I don't remember what it was. Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. It was a whole show about him working for Star Command and like saving the universe. There were other astronauts, like like it was it was like Green Lantern Corps up in the joint. Like they was out here running around. Why are we doing this again? I don't know. Ask Pixar. I mean, but they got Chris Evans there, so boom blam. But she's I don't know who Kiki is voicing, but she will be voicing someone in that movie. And I think that's exciting because that's I mean, that's Pixar. And then uh the last one was uh Alice, which I think is coming this spring. And that's that. Looking at a trailer, I think Alice is what Antebellum want it to be. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie. You're tired of that narrative? Yes. I get it. I get it. I totally understand. But I, it's Kiki Palmer. I've been rocking with Kiki since Akilah and the Bee. Really since, hold on, before that, uh, Barbershop 2. I've been rocking with Akilah since Barbershop 2. It's been a long time. That's great. And I love her too, right? But I don't want to see a time traveling slave. She's not time traveling though. Yes, it's like, she is. It's set in the it's set she it was like the village. Alice, an enslaved person yearning for freedom on a Georgia plantation, escapes through the woods and stumbles through time into the year 1973. Stumbles through time. I thought she just I thought it was like the village where she just stumbles like, oh, there's a road here. We're in modern day stumbles through time is what the synopsis says maybe it's a maybe it's a metaphor maybe it's not <laughs> maybe it's not literal <laughs> you you never know you, you never know? know because how else was she able to get back there i don't know it said stumbled through time she got a delorean <laughs> she, she, she found the dock. She talked to Marty. What's up? Like, I, I, I really hope that it's like the village where it's like you know she stumbles upon it. She's like, oh snap, I'm actually in modern day. That's what I think happened to me. But I, I want to go see it because I love Kiki and I just I love seeing her take on like these dramatic roles to show her range, just so just show her grit. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a better human. So like, you ever, you know, that, that the, one of the writers from Insecure wrote that new show, Grand Crew. 
Grand Crew. What 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 uh which streaming service is that on? It's on Hulu. Hulu. I feel like I've heard of this show, but I can't bring up any images. What about it? It's terrible. The show is bad. Like the comedic timing is off. I don't enjoy myself. And a lot of the times Brandon's like, oh, you're not gonna support black people. Oh, I get it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And then I, I just have it. to sit there in that because I, there is no retort, right? Like, I can't. I and so now it. I just feel like a jerk because I don't like this show. <laughs> but, that, but no, that's the thing. Like, like you should be able, just because, like, it comes from your own doesn't mean that you can't be critical of it. Because how else are we supposed to grow as, like, artists and creatives if we don't have that feedback or constructive criticism? What was graduate school all about? What was the core component of, of graduate school? Pain and suffering. <laughs> Mel, God damn it. I am trying to turn this into a positive thing. And here you go <laughs> with this constant pessimism. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Pain and suffering. You know, pressure oh. makes diamonds. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no. Not I'm just, that Pratt pressure. You. It's, it's okay. You can be very Eric Badu. You can be very sensitive about your shit. But at the same time, like, you're not above reproach, boo. You have to, like, you really want to just, like, really just be able to take critique. And it's like, you can grow to be better. It's okay. So if Grand Crew is, 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 terrible. From, is okay, is from us, but it's terrible. That's, terrible. It can, I think there's a chance it could be better. Basura. But that does it. But at the same time, at the same time, you're not you're not obligated <laughs> to support something just because it's. I get it. I get what you mean. Okay. And on that note, we are closing the round con. Go rest up by the fire. Sip some hot cocoa. And All now. the things. And now, okay. So for this week, um, we wanted to switch gears a little bit uh, since it is February um, and Black History Month. For our last two episodes of scary crit season five we wanted to um, focus on specifically black films black horror films or black films in that like in that realm in that piece um that might be that might be like historical in some way or fashion but yeah we just really wanted to switch gears to like really uh pay homage yeah hit the mark and pay homage to black history month and so when we were deciding this, we were going to do originally. Um, Eve is by you. Written and directed by Cassie Lemons. Uh-huh. But that's not a horror film. And oh. I still don't understand why people try to put it in that category. That is a family drama. Drama with a little bit of voodoo sprinkled in. I don't and know. And just because it's a little bit of voodoo don't mean we we in Horrorland. Like that's just not that's just not the case. So If Childs was there, he would say, "You, you believe, believe this, this voodoo, voodoo bullshit?" bullshit? <laughs> I just cannot believe any of this voodoo bullshit. Um but because of that, we went to um something that actually does fit within the realm of, of a horror film and one of the only I think one of the only black like book to film adaptations that exists in like, like this, is, in this genre or in the genre and like uh, specifically in the genre okay oh. i don't think that there are many other black horror films that were that are that are based on text 
that is also written by black people. Hmm. Yeah, not any yeah, not any book to movie adaptations. Yeah. Hmm. Like there's like what but then but like what other black literary origins is there a film from? That you know what I mean? Because like there are no Octavia films. Well Ken, Kindred is happening, but that's gonna be a show. Right, but that that's what I'm saying. So it's very few, it's very rare that this is a thing. Mm. So I don't know. But anyways. We're doing um we're doing um the nineteen ninety-eight film Beloved, uh, which is based on the book of the same name by the one and only Tony Morrison. This movie was directed by uh, Jonathan Dim, and the screenplay was written by um Okosua Busia. Um, Richard. Jonathan Dem, for people who don't know, is the person who directed Silence of the Lambs. He's the one that won the Academy Award for Best Directing for that movie. Well deserved. It's a good movie. Um, Richard La Gravenise and Adam Brooks. So three people wrote the screenplay. I was actually sad not to see that uh, Tony helped write the screenplay, but I'm not surprised because if, if Oprah bought the rights. She could probably she probably asked, you want to do this? And Tony Shaw was like, mm, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of Oprah, um, it starred Oprah, uh, Danny Glover, uh, Danny Newton, um, the chosen one. Uh <laughs> 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 too. Um, Kimberly Elise. Um, and Kimberly Elise was actually our age. Really? But she, but she looked like 16. She looked like a baby. I know. Is that crazy? But is that crazy? Me, but that just proves black don't crack. Because then, how old was she in Diary of a Mad Black Woman? Uh, okay, so that was 05, and this was ninety eight. She was probably like 30, 36. 35, 36-ish. I know. She's oh my god. She did. She looked just like her character's age was what you know she looked exactly she looked like a young teenage like 15 16 but she was like 28 29 We're crazy that is crazy and this was two years after set it off which was her which was her big screen debut yeah i loved her and set it off uh i need, I need that, that money, money. <laughs> this is my first time watching this film since childhood um, my parents own this on VHS and I don't remember much of this movie at all. I only remember bits and pieces of like the beginning. I don't, I, I was too young to even like think about what the significance of this film meant or like how, like understand how convoluted it was, you know? So I don't really, I don't remember much, but watching it again as an adult, I was just like, this movie is very heavy. It is very complex because it does a lot of uh, non-linear storytelling. We kind of hop around a lot. Yeah, from the past to the present. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I will say, because like I hate this movie because, oh. but not not hate in the normal way that I say this, right? Like it's uncomfortable to watch. That yeah, I was I was very like I was sitting like I just had my hands. I just had my hands like claps, yep. like ho- holding each of my wrists, like in my lap, because I was just I was filled with so much like tension and discomfort. But while yep. watching this, it was like when I was in um, African American literature two class, and I'm reading about 
basically all the stuff that you never learned in school about yep. slavery. Yep. Just how like the depravity and the brutality of it all. Yep. Like the no hold the no holds bar, just like I was very it was it is it was a very heavy watch, y'all. But that's why when it, like whenever I'm like going off on my like tangents about I'm sick of slave narratives, it's because this trauma is is very tangible, you know what I mean, in a different way than than some of the the films that we can compare this to, because I feel like there is no Babadook without this movie, because it's the same idea. There is no, you know what I mean? Like this is a true haunted house ghost story. And some of the things that we've been seeing and the Babadook just comes to mind because it's the same type of a thing where there's a mother and her child and they're living with the mother's trauma actively Grief. in the home. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and how it took that. Yeah. Yeah. The but this is of very it. different. This is a different level of trauma. And I don't, it, it's hard to, it's hard for me to find the words Articulate that make it. this make sense. Yeah. But like racism is so real. Mm-hmm in a different way than, than a metaphor for depression mm-hmm. or a metaphor for grief. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you like, like you learned in your class, right? Like when you go through the history of this and you, and you find out all of the terrible things that were done to people. I still and kept, all of I kept the, those books from those classes. I still have them. Right. So when, when you take the time to, to educate yourself on what like our ancestors went through and not even like our great great grandparents went through to to live and survive and be free and all and 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 everything it just it you it just feels different mm-hmm. it feels different cuz like i watched this for the first time in high school because in my ap english class we had to read this book and watch this movie and write all these papers about it right so then what so is that experience like watching that with your class ridiculous <laughs> Um, but trying to unpack everything in the confines of a public school in the South mm-hmm. was a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. And we were kids mm-hmm. and there were all these other mitigating circumstances, but it's, it's, I think the difference, I don't know. I mean, cause this just, it just, it feels, it, it's just like true story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Toni Morrison could have sat down with some elders for like a couple of weeks and collected these stories and mm-hmm. then made a narrative to the stories that she was told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't let's, this isn't, this isn't paranormal next of kin. And we have to figure out like, what's the scariest thing that could happen in this tunnel, right? This is, Oh, I've been told this happened. I've been told this happened. What fits within the narrative that I'm trying to tell in this moment. So I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. And it's like, again, I think this, this unpacking, like the movie, like it's going to like, you have to sit with it for a little bit for it to like sink in. But um, the, so to give you guys like a little short synopsis. So the movie focuses on um, a mother and her daughter who live um, in their, their mother is um, as escaped from um, a plantation 
some years ago and lives with her daughter in her mother-in-law's um, house. And it is haunted by a poltergeist. Um, and one of Seth's um, old friends from the plantation, uh, Paul D., comes across the house and starts to live with him for a little bit. And he is able to chase away the poltergeist. But then shortly thereafter, a mysterious young woman by the name of uh, Beloved um, shows up the house and that's when like things kind of like dynamics start to shift and things change in the house um and it's a it is like a it's a drama horror film a very yeah, like a, a psychological horror yeah yes yes psychological horror drama film um very deep on the psychological because like i said like this movie gets under your skin in like a disturbing way because it's like focusing on like the like even though like mel said like this stuff Beloved might be fiction, but it really re or re- reads or sounds like uh, or comes across as something that could have been like a real narrative from like elders from that time or that are related to people from that time, like stuff that isn't passed down. Because it just it's just it's really recounting on during a time where things like this happen, like what um, Oprah's character went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it's it's a lot y'all it's a lot i mean because like let's let's start let's start at the beginning because i don't rem i didn't remember the opening like i think when when i don't watch a movie for a long time my brain starts to pick and choose where things start and stop i did not remember that whole moment with the dog and the boys running away oh yeah i like oh that was one that was what a way to open the movie Right. But and it and it sets us in this world where not only do malevolent spirits exist, they are acknowledged. Because Denver was talking to Beloved in the mirror, and they just all kind of knew, you know, oh, so you're, our house so, is haunted. So you're calling the poltergeist right now, you're calling it beloved. So you you thought the poltergeist was beloved. Yes. No, it could, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. It was beloved. Sorry. It's yes. Because it that's that's the transition, right? We went from this metaphysical ghost that's like haunt, house on haunted hill, where we're moving tables and chairs to a physical embodiment of the spirit of the of the spirit. Like, because that whole scene when she came about the swamp, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. How did she do that voice? Yeah, that was. But the that's whole what, even that's, her that's what face, I remember from my childhood. Yeah, the voice. The, the yeah, where she spelled her name and said yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I felt kind of. I don't know why she had to be naked a lot of the time. That was a lot. But so there's a lot happening in the film, right? Because it's haunted house. It's generational trauma. It's a ghost story. And it's a mystery, kind of, because when Beloved appears, now the film centers around like Beloved's identity and who is she and where did she come from and why is she and how here? she and how does she connect to this family? Yeah. And then when they figure out who she is, then why has she why has she been haunting Sethi? Seth. Sethi. Yeah. Yeah. Sethi. Sethi. Mm-hmm. Sethi. Uh huh um because that's what she's doing she's haunting her yes i didn't realize that until 
it was that one scene with, I don't know where they were, but it was her and Denver. <laughs> it oh. was, it was her and Denver in that one room. And that is where I think Denver found out who Beloved actually was, but Beloved was like, um, oh, in that wackadoodle scene in the dark and they're dancing and it's like the moonlight and like, that yeah, it's thing. like, you can't keep her. Nobody can keep me from her. Like she's yeah. mine. Just like very possessive. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, yeah, yeah. But I think that that was the, one of my favorite quotes is um, when the gaggle of old, of old black women come together after Denver told the, the maid the woman what was wrong with her mama. And they were like, when they don't go, when they don't, what did she say? I wrote when it, they don't I wrote go it in down. The ground, I wrote it down. Them that die bad don't stay in the ground. That's it. Yep. Such a good line. But I, and I liked, I liked the progression because at that point we, we realized that Sete is, is like self-destructing. She spent all their money on like bobbles and tchotchke and they didn't have food and she wasn't working and they were just stuck in this house even more so than they had been for the past eight, 10 years. Yeah. Now it felt like, yeah. Imprisonment. Right. And I think that that was a necessary turn because it and i think that the the the, the, uh oh my god what is it called when catholic people exercise a demon exorcism Exorcism. that exorcism moment at the end was so important it was so important because it brings that 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 religious aspect that's been kind of sowing seeds throughout the whole film with those flashbacks of baby sug like pastoralizing because she wasn't it wasn't because like she wasn't like a preacher preacher but i don't know if that's the right word oh you're talking about um baby sucks yeah yeah well she was and but speech it's it's not it wasn't a speech but there's a word there's a word (laughs) dang it anyways i'll figure it out later but there's 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 this idea of of I think that's one of the biggest metaphors throughout the whole film and even in the book right is how important is community mm-hmm. because they didn't really it didn't really seem like they had community before well, they, like, the end. they were ostracized yeah oh yeah you because went of what she crazy and murdered your children we're not talking to you <laughs> we're not gonna we're not talking to you so. But I think that that the ostracization meant that no one acknowledged what happened. Oh, we like we as a that. community, right? We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Sleep <laughs> that under about- the rug. And that led to this festering situation where they, because li- I think one of the other visuals that I love is when they first get to Ohio, the house is beautiful, it's gorgeous. But then after all of these deaths, now in in the present, it's like a it's dilapidated. That freaking step was always broken. Oh and they yeah, were just stepping over it, and it was a visual representation of what had happened to this family, right? Yeah, the the yep, the sanity. The, and yep. it was in in large part because they did not acknowledge the trauma. They did not acknowledge what had happened, and even when you think about why said they did what she did. It was because the trauma was not acknowledged. I mean, did you see the way she explained it to Paul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was very matter of fact, mm-hmm. very like, um, 
like like just just straight facts just like uh, uh, you know death is better than enslavement that and i i did all this to get them away from there i'll be damned if they go back which is so heavy and that 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 to me is so that was the other thing that was so hard for me to understand because i get it right like because you want it, you you automatically feel that reaction. How could you do that to your children? Because they're they're like, because I feel Paul. There had to have been a way. There had to have been a way. Like you you want to believe that there had to have been a way that we could have avoided this situation. There had to have been a way that that all of your kids would have could have gone unharmed and and we would have figured it out. But, but I, there I, is no way. Yeah, because I was going to say with slavery, how it was back then, it's just that kind of that kind of uh, fierce protectiveness mothers have over their children, and that desperation. Where I mean, I we even saw it in um in um underground um a couple years ago, where I think it was the was that the first episode, like the pilot, where she drowned her own baby. I think so after it was born because it was that it was going to be born into slavery mm-hmm. and it's just and with said they being a mother it's just like did that kind of desperation where when she saw the school teacher after what she went through it's just like she, she and it was it was more than she didn't just want to go back it was just like she was never going to let her children experience the same thing because as a parent you never want your children to experience the hardships that you had when they grow up and so it's just like how what can i do what is in my power to protect them from this and i think the only thing was unfortunately the only thing was death that's why um beloved was like and i was in the dark place and i um heard all these people i didn't i didn't know their names like i couldn't see their faces but they were there with me and um how just like and this is another thing that um i learned in like my African-American literature too, or African-American history two class, reading like these, these, these books that really were telling the truth, just how mm-hmm. dire things were. So when it got to the scene where they open up the shed and they see um, that she's swinging Denver and luckily um, Denver was caught Mm-hmm. But she had knocked the two sons out with shovels. I honestly thought they were dead, but they weren't. But she had, she had unfortunately um, slit Beloved's throat with that uh, with that saw, mm-hmm. and that stopped everybody in their tracks. Even school teacher, where it was just like, okay, where and they and they backed off. Mm-hmm. And he and he, okay, I know that they, I know that they said that um, Hallie um, said they's husband crazy. is that that is the father of her children. But when he like. The school, the way the school teacher was like looking and like shocking that like that one tear, it almost made me think, is he the child? Is he the children's yes. spot? Yep, that's exactly. He, yep, he mm-hmm. he is. That's what I thought. Because I'm like, was that intentional? Because I immediately went there. I'm like, yeah. was was he crying? Because that was children? his kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, with mm. because she's so light. Mm-hmm. They all were. Mm. Not the not the boys and not Denver. Beloved was was significantly a, a different shade. Mm. Yeah, because I caught that and was just like, mm, what is? Because I really I was like, what is being said here with this 
with this tier because I feel like school teacher would not have cared that much. But I think too that right, like if anything, he would have reacted like the nephew, his nephew did. What you gonna do that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even they were, even the nephew was to a point appalled, right? I just don't think think they understand like the the effect that like what they're doing to the, this, that kind of, what that subjugation is doing to like would push someone that far to want no, to. of course not. Mm. Because you like, it's, 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 I think that because like they called her an animal and they spit at her and all this. Oh things. my God. That oh, heavy, heavy, so heavy, so heavy. That was a lot. That was a lot. But it's like, you know, I think that when anybody gets to that point of like I need to survive or I need to survive in a way that I can also thrive and not be you know what I mean and not be abused and not be tortured and not be whipped and not be all these things I think that that that's the that's the line that was crossed I I would rather die than go back to that yeah yeah and I would rather kill my children than go back to that yeah and I think that as as the white people in the position of power, you don't think that far ahead with the people you are subjugating, you right? Because they're not even people, right? They're not even property. people, yeah. And so, when someone is pushed to to cross that boundary, you know, it's 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 kind of like that abject horror moment where I can no longer associate with you as a as a person as a human being as a whatever because what you did was so te- like was i can't i can't take it into my body yeah so we have to leave it here i think is kind of what happened so i don't know i think it's a, it's a i think it's a really smart guess to think that that was his kid i also don't you could also say that he was so shocked by by walking into the the carnage yeah Mm-hmm. That he just, that was just his, his bodily reaction. You know what I mean? I was kind of hoping that somebody would like throw up or something, but like, you know, because, and then, cause you have to wonder too, if it's his kid, then that is the emotion. Or are you just so shocked that one of your possessions <laughs> has been destroyed? Right. Yeah. Or one of your possessions destroyed your other possessions. Yeah. And now you've come all this way because they were in Kentucky. They came from Kentucky to Ohio on a horseback to like collect their belongings or whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, that's just not how they thought that the day was going to go. And then even the newspaper article, I wish that there was a, 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 I wish we could have seen it so that I could like, like paused it and read it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because I, I, you can only wonder what the headline was or what the, what the story became of this like prime, primal black woman murdering her baby. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure that that's what it was. Yeah, because it's like, uh, yeah, if anything, the community should not have shunned her or looked, or looked down on her. They should have like understood like what you, yeah. Um, but it's like, I think that's the interesting thing about this film, because it 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 challenges us, the film and the book challenges the, the audience to 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 figure out 
what the legacy of slavery is because when the film starts the film starts in the and year and how it can follow but the, the film starts in the year that that slavery was abolished the film starts when the 13th amendment becomes a thing mm-hmm. and then goes eight years into the future but that legacy yeah, of shortly of trauma, after the civil war uh-huh right but so the trauma and the grief and the and the all of it is still there so what does it mean to be free and what does it mean to, to, to find freedom and what is what does all of this mean because uh, yeah because do- yeah, that was another thing um with paul when he was um talking about how he wanted to start a family with um sete and that's when um his boys told him like the backstory of what had happened with sete mm-hmm. and why that's mm-hmm. you know not not a really good idea um there was that whole thing where it's like um how Paul was like, um, like I'm free, you know, I'm always gonna be free, my children are gonna be free. Yep. And how the boys are his boys are trying to communicate to him, just like, um, like you're free, but you're not really free. Like mm-hmm, any any mm-hmm, world mm-hmm. where did they say any world where like um white people exist or are like you'll never be free, something yep. like that. As long as the world's white, yeah. We're we're here. Yeah. And that just made me think like um how even like after the civil war and, and they're trying to um make their own lives and do their best they're still followed and hunted and like maybe you can't maybe the shackles are no longer visible but that doesn't mean they're not there because even that moment at the end when denver denver's friend comes and they're like walking down the street and oh my god and make them get off i hated that so much yep it's always it's persistent you still have to fall in line Yep. You still have to fall in line. Yep. And I think that that the, the book and the film will always stand the test of time in that way. Mm-hmm. Because even though racism is not as in your face as as that most times, <laughs> I feel like that is still a persistent thing, especially in American society. Right. Oh, yeah. Of how people are viewed, how people are treated based on what they look like, based on what what is assumed their position should be. Mm-hmm. And here's how we navigate that, because it's like I think that this this idea of legacy and freedom and how we navigate these things can be can be critically looked at on a lot of different levels, because can you imagine the families and the children of all of the immigrants that are stuck in these detention centers that are trapped at the border and what that legacy will look like 20, 30, 40 years from now and what that would mean to this group of people? And how do you navigate through that as a community, as an individual, as families? And and how do you not pass on that trauma? Or how do you talk about that trauma? Because I think that's another interesting thing in, in this film. They didn't really talk about it at, at all. And, that, and beloved is the one that brought up all these questions. Yeah. Tell like, me. tell me about your mother. Tell me, tell yep. me, tell me the story and how, and how that, I think that's very intentional. How it was beloved was the one who was unlocking all of this trauma because she mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. she is the trauma or she is, mm-hmm. a, she's a product of that trauma because what what really interested me was the fact that the movie opens up the way that it did with the dog and everything and then how it chased 
the boys way i'm i'm really sad they never came back i'm really I'm sad that i'm really sad they never came back they just I'm not. left the sister but you know hey but they but they but, but they left but it was it opened it up it made it very clear that okay the supernatural is happening there's mm-hmm, a poltergeist mm-hmm. in this house mm-hmm. and it's gotten to the point where it's almost normalized for it, it it is normal it's just like this is oh yeah natural, it's so normal this is what natural, happens it's 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 just like a noisy pipe or it's just like you yeah. know this this is a regular like and and how denver was talking to it and almost seemed to have like a kinship with it because remember when um paul came by for like the first time and it kind of tested the red him. lights and he said what kind of evil do you have in here i, I loved, loved i loved it. that line so much he said girl what kind of evil we got in here and she said it ain't evil just sad uh-huh that was sad though as well like where oh again it's like yeah I'll, I'll i'll unpack that in a minute but how he basically it tested him and he made it through but then when it starts wrecking the house did you see how denver was kind of like smirking mm-hmm. yeah so they have like a kinship but the it was interesting to me how it immediately the movie immediately establishes that there is a supernatural poltergeist in this house so there's a haunting going on and then paul is able to chase it out like by actually fighting back because i don't know if um Sete or denver had ever tried to do that before that's why the boys left they weren't that's why they left because they were Sete is the adult because yes. at that point, Baby Shug was bedridden. Uh-huh. So there was nothing that she could do to help or stop or whatever. And Sete let the ghost do whatever they the ghost wanted to do. Hence the dog. Popped the dog's eye out, broke his legs, like whatever. And all she did was mend the dog, right? Uh-huh. And the boys were like, we can't take this anymore. We have to go. Because it's like, if you don't want to address what's happening, then that's on you. I can't be here. So I I, I follow the. Like, logic, I can't right? I can't unpack this on my own. So I'm. But going it's to like go. you're not you're you're not protecting me. Right. You are not right. doing because the they're children. They're children. That my mother is supposed to do, and you are not making sure that I am okay. So it's like them. So they were being subjugated themselves. It wasn't yes. exactly it wasn't exactly slavery, but it's still like you're not being protected. You can't relax in your own home. You can't you're not free. So they they escaped. They ran. Right. And so and, then in, in that time. Right. As men like Denver couldn't have left. Denver would have gotten abducted and it'd been a whole uh, other situation. it would have been a wrap. But I think as boys, right, they had a better chance at trying to figure out like a, a better chance of survival, a better chance of trying, trying to figure, figure out, out life. life. Yeah. Because work, they could have hopped on a train, got yeah. a job, and figured it out. Yeah. Even, I mean, you know, it still would have been immensely difficult. But yes. I think that they would have had a better go of it. Than, and, there wouldn't, and there wouldn't be a poltergeist haunting them. But then also, the, I think that the, that what they did then is what Denver eventually does yes, after. Later. Mm-hmm. When she mm-hmm. starts building these connections back within the community. After she had that moment with Baby Sug's ghost. And she's like, you have got to get out of this house. Yeah, because it was like, <laughs> the thing that got to me about Denver was like very deeply was the fact that she was very tied to the house like forcibly she had no life outside of it she had no social life she had no friends that that whole breakdown she had um when 
Sethe is saying, you know, serve Polly, uh, serve Paul. And she just has this breakdown where she doesn't want to, she's like, I can't be here anymore. I can't do this anymore. Um, and because it's like, you're being haunted. You've, you've, you've kind of, you're, you're kind of made peace with it, but at the same time, you can never be free because it's ostracized you from your own community. And so when she finally gets out there and gets her own two legs and is like at the end of the movie with that whole conversation in the square with Paul, I was like, I love that because the growth that the transformation that happened for her and then with the poltergeist materializing or, or becoming, um, beloved physically and how that changed the changed the dynamic but also made it worse because it seemed like after a certain point after paul left because didn't didn't beloved put him under a spell or something yeah she would like make him sleepwalk and stuff and then because i i I knew she uh, uh the pregnancy and everything i knew that was coming and it was very clever how like they didn't show that until they walked Later her on. outside but i knew it i'm just like okay there's a reason why they're not showing her midsection i'm like there's a reason why that this the, the blocking well, they showed it when she she was upstairs when she had the quilt she was pregnant i didn't notice that was that mm-hmm. before at, hmm. she was pregnant when she had the quilt and ripped it and ran downstairs and then when she was eating the ice laying on the bed she was pregnant but that's the scene i'm talking about where they didn't show her her stomach because the way it was blocked was it was denver's head like where her yeah where her stomach was and but i I, think that that also did a good job of of proving that that or not proving of showing that that she was a monster without making her you know, have horns and be red or purple or whatever. Yeah, right? I don't think they, I don't think they needed to do all that because she, her, for one, uh, Dandy's uh, performance was like haunting enough, but it was just like the oppressive nature she was having, not only on the house, but on um, set day, because it was again, like she was like, um, there was nowhere set day was where, where she wouldn't be. And it kind of, it kind of went to, it got to a point where they kind of switched roles where it was like, beloved was taking care of Sete, who was uh almost mm-hmm. catatonic mm-hmm. at that point and just how do you see how the house like turned upside down like it became like squalor like disarray and mm-hmm. when when there were no more sweets um beloved had that tantrum and when she had that tantrum it would start wrecking the house i was just like this is just like when the poltergeist was haunting a house and wrecking everything like when paul mm-hmm. was there and that's when i that's when i made the connection like they're one in the same that's when it clicked for me where it's just like oh. okay this that's when it clicked for me where it's like okay this poltergeist is somehow beloved the daughter like reincarnated in this physical form brought back that's the interesting thing because we never know what the daughter's name is the reason I- that beloved's name is beloved is because that's what was written on the headstone that wasn't the kid's name we never know what her name was. So what? Okay. So if this actually wasn't her. No, it's her. That's okay. what I'm saying. But she was a baby, right? So she didn't, I don't, she wasn't old enough. I don't think to recognize what her name was. I don't know if they've ever, they ever said her name in the film, but on her gravestone, the only thing that it says is beloved. 
So that's why she connects that as her name because that's where she's been for the past 10, 18 years. I don't remember. So that's when that was the moment where I made the connection to that they were one and the same. And that what does it mean for it to no longer be a a what's the word I'm looking for? Uh not nonverbal hunting, but a ghost hunting like non-physical form for it to be this physical person who is now like kind of leeching off your energy your sanity like what what does that mean and Mm -hmm. like and how and just and just how like the traumas of of what said they went through of slavery um not only managed to follow her but still managed to like entrap her imprison her keep her shackled down because it was so it was so sad to see like how she became this like bedridden catatonic person after when we were introduced to her being in the film and she's up she's taking care of the house she's working Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like just just how that kind of trauma if left not to say that it's like a disease left untreated um can really that is grief that is that is grief that is because like if we run down the laundry list of things that happened to her that we know about because that's why she said it wasn't evil it was sad because it was grief but it's like she was raped yep. she lost her husband and didn't know he was dead until Paul D came and told her she killed her children the other two ran away Denver could barely say three sentences about falling apart the grandmother died no one talks to her. Like there, there are all of these other things that were already isolating her, right? And she was managing. You manage because you make yourself busy. You manage because mm-hmm. you got, you know, I got things to do, which is the blackest thing ever. I can't fall apart today. I'll do it tomorrow because today I got to clean the house, right? And then when beloved materializes, as as soon as she gets there, she starts the process of further isolation, right? Paul D don't like her. She don't like Paul D. Let's work on that. Let me buddy up with Denver so I could tell her that I need her to shove off when I need her to shove off. Right. Mm. And it gets to the point where you lose your job. We have no money, whatever, whatever, whatever. I tell you that you, I tell you the worst thing I could have told you because I feel like, like when, when she tells Paul why she killed the, the kids, Right. Because she believes that she was putting them in a safe place and a better place, all that other stuff. For beloved to say, that's not what you did. You left me alone. You left me. That is the worst thing that you because that's probably what she was afraid of. Pandora's box was just right. opened. Mm-hmm. And then that that solidified the isolation. And now I'm just here depressed because it's finally hit me that I murdered my child. And I tried to murder all four of them, but I only got the one, right? And so that's why I love that moment with the 30 prayer women at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it brings in that religious element, like we said, but then also it's like this the community has finally acknowledged that she was not okay. Because I feel like the whole film, she was this, she was this mythological villain, this, 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 this evil queen of a mother who fed her children to wolves, (laughs) right? And no one acknowledged 
the pain and the trauma that she had went through until that moment when she tried to kill that man and that white man. Because she thought it was a school teacher. Right. She's like, no, that's uh, that's Mr. Bodwin. Mama. And I think then is when everyone finally was like, this lady is not okay. Yeah, that 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 was a beautiful scene to me, too, because that just sense of community and together is just like, we got you. Right. We're here. And then, but that's why I love like I, I'm sad that she was naked so many times, but I love when beloved because it makes her look like a monster. All of the other women have clothes up to their necks. <laughs> These dresses were no joke and the hats and the pins and the whatever. So here is this feral looking woman. Very pregnant. Very pregnant. Very naked. Pubic hair on display. You are. She is automatically the other. Uh-huh. She is automatically the problem that we now have to, to fix. excise. Right. Because as soon as that, this monster, as soon as this, this uh, freak is gone, then we can start to heal is the idea. Right. But that's why I love the scene after when Paul D goes back to the house and she's still canatonic on the bed, because what is healing and how do we define healing? Especially when it's been trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma. What does healing look like? And what does it mean? And how do we even begin to start doing that? Especially in the context of this film and what 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 we're what when we're talking about freedom as a whole. Because mm-hmm. I think in this mm-hmm. instance, healing and freedom are synonymous, right? Mm-hmm. They mean the yep. same things. Yep. Denver healed. Right. Because Denver left that house. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, because I so, sometimes when I think about like what it means to be free, I associate with places mm-hmm. like places and moments that I felt like I felt like freer or whatever you want to call it. And so what must it be like for Sete, who left a plantation, crossed states to get to a place where she thought that she could be free? And then what was it? 28 days later, (laughs) she she was put it it all stopped. And now you're stuck in the place where you thought you could be free. And then the worst possible thing happened to you. How do you heal there? How do we find freedom again in this place? I think that is I think that is the, the ending question of the of the film. Because it's like, Paul's like, oh, I'll take care of you. Then we'll be here in the morning. I'll be here at night. It'll be cute. But I don't think that, that she could find healing in that space anymore. Because it's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a place of love for her. So she would have to give it up. She would have to leave the house. Yeah, and start, and start a whole for, new yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, she said, like, about, about Beloved, uh, said they thought she was like, she would, she she my best thing and paul was like you're you, you your, your best, best thing, thing. And I'm just, you <laughs> beautiful beautiful tony morrison but was that in the book i think so beautiful beautiful line beautiful line and so i did yeah i just yeah like heal the trauma the the horror of the trauma and then how you heal after that um and i think to wrap to wrap it up um this movie, I did like the direction. I did like the way that it was shot. Um, and of course, that everybody did a great job. I wanted to mention the fact that 
this film, while uh, critics did like it, um, it did not do well at all at the box office. It was a box Are office. Are you shocked? It, no, no, no. And I'm, I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why. Uh, this was released in October of 1998. I think um, this was released during the same time uh, Bride of Chucky <laughs> came out. Really? And I, oh, yeah. Wow. And I, I think that's the film that um, actually beat it at the box office because Oprah was actually called and went into like a depression when she said when she found out that it was beat by we got beat by something called chucky what are you fucking nuts <laughs> you thought yeah yeah and she chucky. she said it was she said it was like the worst oh. moment in her career um and it put really? her into a yeah she said it put her into a major major not depression. another john carpenter moment no no what are you? No, these box offices be ruining people's lives. So Oprah herself had a um, thing moment. Because um, you know she co-produced it, and then she, you know it was the yeah, big- it's gonna yeah. But and I, what? And I bring this up because with beloved, and y'all and y'all heard us say this in the beginning, how heavy this film is, like how um, um, disconcerting and um, uncomfortable um, the the thematic material and, and a watch it, it is because there's i mean there's there's images of, of 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 sexual assault of rape um and the trauma and just it's it's a very heavy movie and also the runtime let's get into the runtime this movie this is movie is so long this movie is a long two hours and 52 minutes y'all this movie is long so i say that to say that beloved was not at all palatable for mainstream audiences this was not going to be um a movie that uh people were unfortunately going to you know um going to flock to or um like really because it's it's a it's a long movie and the subject material and despite having a-listers like um that was a miniseries though oh you're right so not only did this have, you know, eight listers like Oprah and, and Danny and was directed by, you know, um, Jonathan Dim and it came from Toni Morrison. It's just like not all of that is going to be enough to save this film from being seen as like too much for mainstream audiences to recoup its um, $80 million budget. So mm, it's just. I'm glad that it was made. I'm glad it was produced. I'm glad that it came out. And I'm glad that it was able to be made in this way where it retains its long running time and it retains like that, that tough thematic material. Um, it's just having, having stuff like that. It's, it's going to be something that you have to, um, I don't know that you just have to know that even if Oprah's name is on it, it's not, it's not exactly going to be enough for the, for audiences and i don't know how what how well this film has been received in like years after i don't think that i've heard like the cult classic title attached to this film but as you can see it's still very big in like um english ap english classes uh, but i think it's because it's because there's a book yeah right it's because it, like i said we watched this or we watched this we did we did beloved and apocalypse now in the same class so it's it's you know you can you can 
have some deeper conversations when there's a literary text to go with what you're watching because you can read it and then there's there's this other medium to help you visualize what what you're reading and you know people have different education styles blah 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 so if you didn't quite catch something in the book it's way more obvious in the film yeah or it's you know one you know it complements the other in your in in your education when you're trying to critically understand what's being presented to you and think about it in a way more than like, Oh, I like it or I didn't like it. Right. Like, and it's one of what, those things where is that, is that going to be like at the box office? Is that going to give us the kind of receipts that we want? Probably not. But I think that that's the interesting thing about films like this mm-hmm. because I don't know. Right. Like, I don't know who would adapt this and think it was going to be a box office smash because it's sad. <laughs> oh my God. Like, and sad. it's sad in a, in a really heavy and traumatic way. Right. It's not like emo girl sad. This is like, this is, this is depressing <laughs> to an extent. And it's like, I don't know why you would go into this thinking that it would recoup any type of a budget. Uh, I think this is more of like a, I, this needs to be made passion uh-huh. project uh-huh. than a, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is not, this yeah. is not Transformers. This is not. <laughs> no, I know that. I know that. I know that. But I'm just, it, which is, it's just interesting to think but about it's just like, crazy when that to, happens. But it's crazy to learn that that was like Oprah's response to the things. Yeah. She did. She didn't take it. She didn't take it very well. It was very hard for her, because um, I, with her being a producer on this movie, um, and then it having like you know Danny Newton and uh, Kimberly Elise, who I think were um, kind of fairly new to like the big screen at the time. Um, it's just I did. I just think she took a lot of you know personal responsibility for it, and it, it meant a lot to her. And just knowing like that it didn't, it didn't come across that way for audiences. But I think too, right? Like, because I don't know if we touched on this, but the non-linear storytelling here again affected that. Again, it's gonna, it's good. Like this, it's not, it's not people mainstream audiences uh, when it comes to films. It's like kind of like you know A, B, C, like point to point, very easy, very almost spoon fed. You know, this is a very film forum Criterion Collection movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like not to not to say that it's it's inaccessible, but it is to say that like like Jerry was saying, like you can't you can't expect here's a boy and a girl and we go on an adventure the end i mean and i was a and i was a fan personally of the nonlinear storytelling because again we bounce around a lot and you have to sit with it and you have you and it makes sense later on but i but it's also like it's this mix of 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 memory and and storytelling because it the perspectives change uh, based upon who was telling the story at the time, mm-hmm. right? Which is amazing and so rich because it, it kind of leads into this fact of like, there isn't a little bit of a bias because I'm the one telling the story and I'm the one recounting this memory or uh, the story of Denver being, being born, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Denver is telling that story from the pieces that she had. So we don't even know like the like the the real version or the true version of the other perspectives of this story cuz that just could have been the abridged version she was told. You know what I mean? 
And then we're always bouncing back and forth from the present and the future and the past. And it's like, what is all of this? Where are we going? And what does all of this stuff mean? And then the way that they faded in and out into the memories was so good because it's like, you're being told this story mm-hmm. from this person. So mm-hmm. we're going to cut, we're going to get real close on the face. I'm just going to fade. Oh yeah. Did you, I love those shots in the beginning with um, Paul and Sete in the house when they, when he first like comes in and it will go back and forth between two, but it's like this close up shot of their faces, uh-huh, like a very uh-huh. still close up shot of their faces. And I just realized, like, I don't think I've seen a shot like that in a lot. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have, may, or maybe it's because it's a, a, the nineties and it just reminds me of like way back when, but th- that shot was just so like, you know it stirred something me in me. It stirred something in me. You, it was very have you specific. Seen, have you seen a Bill Street could talk? Yes. Did I tell you the, the Barry Jenkins story? Uh, was there like a Q and A or something? We went to go see the film in Lincoln in Lincoln Center, Lincoln Square, and yes. he was there afterwards. And you know those moments in the film where it's the main characters and the camera is like right here on their face, yeah, and the, and they're looking directly into the camera. Yeah, yeah. He said that he did that because he was like, I know that this could be the first time someone white in the audience was forced to look a black person in the eye. Uh... So we were gonna make this a moment. And make sure that, I mean, because you have no place else to look. Because it's almost uncomfortable. Right. But yeah. he's like, that's why those shots are the way that they are. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, in a very, in, I don't know, there's like a thread there. But of course, it was wider, the shots between Oprah and, and Donald Glover. But mm-hmm. it was kind of that same instance of like, here in, is a like person, intimacy. Yeah. Right. Having yeah. a conversation. And we're gonna, and this, these are these two people who are talking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just thought that was a, that was a shot that really stuck out to me, but I do. Yeah. The, again, this is my first time watching this movie since childhood and watching it as an adult. And after having um, taken the classes that I've taken and you, after having seen this in high school for class and just like, it's, mm, it was like, again, uncomfortable, <laughs> um, very intense and heavy, but I feel very grateful for Toni Morrison um, and her writing and that this story exists and um, for Oprah and Danny and um, Sandy and uh, you know what Kimberly and everybody, like what, what they were able to bring to the screen and bring, put out into the world. I think it's important storytelling. I wonder if because this didn't have success in the box office, is that why there's never been another Toni Morrison, Morrison adaptation? adaptation? Mm-hmm. I can't say. I don't know. I feel like maybe if there is another one, maybe they'll do it like what they're doing with uh, Kindred. Maybe they'll do it for TV. Because again, with TV, you have more that space. Al- that allows you to take your time. You can breathe yeah, a little. You have more. a lot you, more space to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. So I think if they if they do do anything else with Tony's writing, maybe TV would be the medium for it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. 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 All right, you guys. But that was Beloved um, from 1998. If you haven't seen it, we do encourage you guys to check it out. Um, just be warned, you know, content warning. Also, um, if you have seen it before, maybe give it a rewatch. Um, and it's it's really, it really, especially for Black History Month. It's uh, 
again, lots of important storytelling in that film. Um, any final curls for you, Mel? Uh, yeah. Shout out to our new friends at the Zombie Girls Horror Podcast. Hey, hey. They um, are shouting out Black horror podcasters for the month of February. And we are honored to be among the uh, people you are shouting out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then just as always, share us with your friends. Maybe send this podcast to if you too had to had to talk about this in high school, send this to your old English teacher and see what they say. <laughs> we we hope they like. <laughs> um, and this is coming from an English major. <laughs> um, I always forget you're an English major. What do you think I was? I don't I don't remember. I just I always forget that it's English. And then you say that I'm like, yeah, it is English. Yep, I was an English major in the in the undergrad. What was your you were film studies in undergrad too? So film studies all the way. But my no. minor is in um, English for the concentration in poetry. Oh, my minor, I had a triple minor. Um, women's studies, Africana studies, and writing. My advisor hated me. Why? Because I had a minor in English. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, don't do, don't be a hater. Well, no, because it's like the, the poetry classes that I needed to finish conflicted with the with the media studies classes I needed to finish and he's like what are you doing to me right now I'm like I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but this is I need to I like these classes I need to do them I would have honestly like if if I had the money <laughs> and if I was more patient I would have like double majored probably in English and either sociology or Africana studies um that might have that would have might have that might have even been my fourth minor because I I really I really really loved my sociology courses like sociology those, is such it was such a fun thing to those do. were so eye opening for me I still have the books oh my goodness I still have the books on my Kindle oh God sociology was great that I took that sociology was my first what I took that was one of my first classes in my, um, in my uh, first semester of undergrad and it just it opened my eyes to so much but yeah sociology Africana studies all that stuff college was a fun time it was especially freshman year the best um but yeah I I don't I don't think I have any final curls um yeah moonfall is not gonna recoup its budget either so <laughs> All I can say is at least that's not a loss for Lionsgate or whoever, because that was um, most of it was personally financed by Emmerich himself. So, and he's going to be all right. He rich. So, yeah. He's going to be all right. He's going to be all right to him. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I will say that uh, Jasmine Sullivan released um, Hotels, mo- Motels, um, the deluxe Hotel, edition. Motel. Holiday. Holiday. I, that's what I thought too, but it's the deluxe edition of her, um, of her, is it a, is it a EP? I think her EP that came out uh, last year, uh, Hotels, and it has, I think, like five new tracks or some, something like that, but Issa Rae is on there. She did a tale, and the ending of it cracked me up. Like the, fi- the last three seconds made me laugh out loud it was so funny and i'm just so happy for jasmine um i think she's on tour right now i think the first show 
um, probably um, already happened at the time of this release. And I wish I could have gotten a ticket to go see her. Um, I'm actually a little nervous for concerts right now because we're still in like the pandemic, but I would have loved to go see her because she was going to be in Denver and I think she was going to be in Brooklyn. Brooklyn would be awesome to go see her. Oh my God, that would be great. But anyway, Jasmine Sullivan, go support. That is such a great album, a work of art. And we will see you guys next week. See you in the future, podcast people. (laughs) 